Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. John chapter 7 is where we want to begin today. And we want to continue with this that we have been on on Sunday morning, Skilled with the Flow. And uh, we began a new series on Wednesday night entitled, What Has Your Attention? Skilled in the Flow, John chapter 7. And it says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, or out of his heart, out of his spirit, out of his innermost being. Verse 39, but this spake he of the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So it says on the last day, that great day of the feast, it's referring to, and we have went over this introduction each service, it's referring to the Feast of Tabernacles. It's referring to the time that Israel celebrated uh, when they were delivered from bondage and how God kept them and sustained them uh, in the wilderness. And then the priest would go and he would uh, dip a golden pitcher in the, 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 the pool of Siloam, the stream that ran under the temple, and he would bring that water back, and that water was significant and a type and a figure of the water that was supplied from the rock in the book of Exodus chapter 12, and he would bring that back to the temple and the altar there at the temple, and he would pour that water out as a drink offering. That's significant because when our high priest Jesus was on the cross and the Roman soldier pierced his side with the spear, it went into that heart sack and the Bible says that outflowed blood and water. He had to fulfill every offering that was going to be offered by the high priest and in doing so he fulfilled the drink offering. He fulfilled the water offering being poured out to God. But as they did this, they would, they would quote Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, which says, With joy you'll draw waters out of the well of salvation. One, one uh, ancient historian said, But you, if you had never seen this time of rejoicing, you have not known rejoicing. Because it was a time they were dancing in the streets, they were singing, they were shouting. They would bring the Torah out in what they called an ark, a, a container that it was held in, and they would dance and sing praises to God. And it's in this setting that Jesus Christ stands up in the middle of, of, this, of this dancing and this shouting as he watched this drink offering being poured out. And he cries out in, a, in, in the emphatic phrase in the Greek, and it says, If any man, any of you, any of you here that are present, if you're thirsty, if you're spiritually dry, if you're spiritually dead, if you have no hope, come to me and drink. In other words, this water will evaporate, this water will cease to be, but the water that I give you will come out of your spirit rivers of living water. 
He told the woman at the well, he said, listen, he said, if you drink of the water that I give you, it will be within you a well of water springing up. In other words, when you get saved, you get a well of water. But it says here that he was speaking of the Holy Ghost, which should be given after Jesus was glorified. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes to reside on the inside of you, then you have access to rivers of living water. Or a flow for every area of your life. Out of His Spirit will flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. There's a Holy Spirit flow for every area of your life. I've talked to pastors before and they say, well, I'm just burnt out. And I'll say, you're not in the flow. You can't get burnt out in the flow. How does burnout apply to a pastor or a minister? Shouldn't, can't. Especially if he's, if, he's, if he's not doing it in himself. There's a flow for my marriage. There's a flow for my parenting. There's a flow for my relationships. There's a, a flow for my finances. There's a flow for my job. There's a Holy Spirit flow for every area of my life. And Jesus listed seven of them. And seven is the number of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's also the number of God. It's the number of perfection. And when you go through the scripture, you always see the number seven in association with the Holy Spirit. The seven candlesticks in the, in the book of Revelation. The seven spirits of God. Even the, the Jewish menorah uh, 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 that, that they light on a consistent basis, which is the light. But it's seven candlesticks. It represents the light of the Holy Spirit. The light of the Spirit of God. And Jesus says that there were seven things the Holy Spirit would do. And we'll go through them real quickly. They're all found in John 14 and John 16. We're not going to reference the scriptures, but we've been teaching on all of them. It says, number one, he'll teach us all things, the Holy Spirit. Number two, bring to our remembrance what is taught. Number three, reprove the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Number three, guide us into all truth. Or number four, guide us into all truth. Number five, speak what he hears. Number six, show us things that's coming. Number seven, glorify Jesus. Seven things that the Holy Spirit will do. All right? Now, let's go to John 14. Because we're not going to go to all of these, but four times in three chapters, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the comforter. Four times in three chapters. He referred to him as the comforter and the spirit of truth more than any other name. The comforter and the spirit of truth. And here in John 14, verse 16, Jesus said, and I will pray or I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Everyone say another comforter. That he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for it dwells with you, and shall be in you. Another comforter means another of the same kind that Jesus was. And I took some time last week, of course I was in the the Little Rock location, but I took some time last week and made this statement, that you cannot truly know the working of the Holy Spirit if you don't understand the working of the Trinity. If you don't understand the Godhead, you can't really comprehend the working of the Trinity. We taught at some length about that last week. You can access that online 
uh, or, or on the Roku channel or if you desire to. But re- remember what Jesus said when uh, Philip said, uh, Lord, show us the Father and it suffices us. And Jesus made this statement. He said, Philip, have I been such a long time with you that when you've, you, you've seen me but you don't know me? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said over and over again, I and my Father are one. Right? Now here we see Jesus saying, I'm going to ask the Father and He's going to send you another comforter of the same kind I am. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Jesus. Throughout Scripture. In the book of Acts, he's referred to as the Spirit of God or of the Spirit of Jesus. In uh, Genesis and other places, he's referred to as the Spirit of God. Well, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, the book of John says that these three are one. Is that right? right? Well, not just one body. One in the way they think. One in their intellect. One in their purpose. Three distinct personalities functioning as one. It's important because the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will only say the things that he hears the Father say. It says he will never do anything to glorify himself, but he will only glorify Jesus. Hallelujah. And now Jesus says, when I go away, I'm going to send you another one just like me. Another comforter the same as me the Woos Bible says as for myself I will ask the father and another counselor of the same kind as I am he will give you in order that he might be with you forever verse 17 says even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive notice it says but you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. How did he dwell with them? In the person of Jesus. How is he going to be in them when Jesus sent him back after his ascension? Hallelujah. So you are walking around today as a born again believer with a comforter of the same kind as Jesus. Of the same type on the inside of you. He said, you know him because he dwells with you in the person of Jesus, but he will be in you. So one of the most outstanding things concerning the Holy Spirit is that he dwells in me. The Bible says twice in the book of Corinthians, what's it say? It says that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Well, the word temple there referred to the Holy of Holies, and it referred to specifically the inner sanctuary where only the priest could go once a year where the Shekinah glory of God resided. So what Scripture is saying is that now, because the Spirit of God resides on the inside of you, that you are now the holy place, and you're now the Holy of Holies, and the Shekinah glory of God lives on the inside of you. But not only does the Holy Spirit live on the inside of you, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit live on the inside of you the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in you because you can't separate them these three are one 
And people try to make distinctions. Well, the Holy Ghost said. Well, but the Holy Ghost says, I taught you this two weeks ago. The Holy Ghost only says what he's heard. Amen. So he says that he will be in you. So I have this comforter with me all the time forever. 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 Verse 18 of John 14, notice what it says. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now wait a minute. When, when you read the scripture, you've got to determine who's he talking to. In this reference, he's specifically talking to the 12 disciples. And he said what? He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Well, that's not the second coming of Jesus. How did he come to him in the person of the Holy Ghost? And he says, I will not leave you comfortless. The word is orphaned. I will not leave you orphans. An orphan is basically helpless. When you, when you deal with somebody, men specifically, that have an orphaned heart, they're helpless. They can't be good fathers, they can't be good dads, they have a struggle because they have an orphaned heart. They're always looking for something and never finding it. And what they're looking for is help. Right. And, and that helplessness displays itself in different ways. Insecurity. Over-concern about what people think. Right? Workaholicism. Because I'm trying to fill that void. I have an orphaned heart and I'm trying to fill that void and I'm helpless. My wife can't help me. My family can't help me because I'm, I'm orphaned. I feel helpless. Ever what I do, it's not good enough. It's not enough. I can make all the money there is. I can provide a good house, a good car. I can work hard. I can double up. I can do everything that everybody wants me to do. But I've got an orphaned heart so I don't know how to accomplish what I really want because I don't have any help. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. This is important in your knowledge and your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Roost Bible says, I will not leave you behind helpless. I come to you. So one of the flows of the Holy Spirit is the flow of help. The flow of help. He said he would be our comforter, our helper. So because of the Holy Spirit, I'm never without help. I'm never without the answer that I need. Where the Holy Spirit's concerned. And where situations are concerned. The Amplified Bible says, And I will ask the Father and He will give you another comforter. Counselor, here's the word, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he may remain with you forever. So I have the helper with forever. The helper forever. So a believer that doesn't know what to do 
or says that they're helpless, according to Scripture, is an oxymoron. Because I always have help. Okay, when you get quiet, you got to say it. Say it out loud. I always, I always have help. Say it one more time. I always have help. Why? Because is the Holy Spirit in you? Did Jesus say He would abide with you forever? Then the Helper's there. But He has to be engaged. You cannot make all the decisions in your life without accessing Him and then run up on something that you don't know what to do and just expect Him to be at your beck and call when you have not engaged Him in any other area. Well, you know, I don't need to seek the Holy Spirit about that. I mean, I know what to do. Okay, but you could at least, for, for manner's sake, engage Him and say, this is my plan, is that the right direction? Right? Hallelujah. Have you ever been around somebody that didn't know anything? And you knew what they needed to know, and they didn't engage you? I have. And I'm sitting there thinking, I've got the answer. But I learned a long time ago. Me telling you what you need to know when you're not asking me to get to know it is not my responsibility. Amen. And that's, that's, that's not being hard or rude. That's actually being a gentleman. Amen. And the Holy Spirit, we refer to Him as a gentleman. Amen. And a gentleman responds when you engage Him. Amen. Right? Are you with me? And so the Holy Spirit is with us forever. And He's specifically referred to as our helper. As our helper. Not our doer. Our helper. He will help you do what you need to do. Amen. You know, the, the worst thing that a parent can do for their child, one of the worst things is what? Do everything for them. Right? right? Clean their room. Pick it up. Because the child figures something out. Eventually, mom will get frustrated enough about this room, she'll come clean it. Right? And what does mom eventually do? She gets frustrated with having to stand over Junior and say, go pick that up or go do this. Now, if, if, if you're doing that, I'm not upset with you. I'm just, it's an illustration. I don't know how any of y'all do. I, I don't know. Right? But I have a three-year-old, so I know what I have to do. Right? And I got a very smart three-year-old. The other day, Pastor Michelle, Lily has this thing now where she's a grown-up. I can do it because I'm a grown-up. And we were sitting at the breakfast table the other day, and I said something. She goes, now, Poppy, I'm a grown-up, so... And Pastor Michelle goes, you can go get a job? And Lily goes, no. No. Poppy buys me everything. 
right? But when right now she's at that stage where she's like, if she says help, it means do it. Right? Well, there's things I do because she can't do. But there's things I have to make her do if I'm going to help her. Right? Right? You're going to prep, she's going to preparatory school. Well, she's got to, she's got to learn how to get up on the potty by herself. Now, this is this isn't home and family living. This is, you know. But why? How am I helping her? I'm preparing her. Because if I don't prepare her, she's going to get there and the teacher's going to go, Well, you do it. Right? Got to prepare. When, when a parent does everything for a child and the child just thinks they get whatever they want and then they got to go out in the world and get a job and they got to work for somebody else and that somebody else is not just going to do it all for them. Amen. They'll give them the tools to get it done. So help is not doing. Help is helping. So we have a helper, not a doer. Are you with me? Comforter comes from a word that means called the one's aid. Or a helper. Called the one's aid or a helper. Notice in Mark chapter 9. We see some examples of this. Because remember, it's important that you don't... The way that Jesus responded on the earth is the way the Holy Spirit will respond today. Because they're one. Mark chapter 9, verse 22. This man's talking about his son that is, is possessed with this devil. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Help us. Verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said, With tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So the father was in a situation that no human power could remedy. There was nothing that could be done in this situation by human agency. And notice what he did. He simply asked for help. Help us. Look at what we're dealing with. Help us. And then Jesus said, If you can believe, he said, Lord, help my unbelief. He asked for help. The way the man Jesus responded is the way the Holy Spirit will respond. He'll always help us. He will always help. If you don't learn to understand and to comprehend the Holy Spirit as helper, you'll be at a deficit. Because He's my helper. And you don't just wait to access the helper when you don't have the knowledge you need. And that's the way a lot of people interact with the Holy Spirit. Well, when I run up on something I don't know what to do, then I'll ask. <laughs> right? Well, that's, that's, that's kind of like never talking to your neighbor until you need to borrow something. Right? That's like never talking to your wife and not building the relationship, but then when you want to be romantic, you want everything to go smooth. 
Right? You can help yourself. Amen. Are you following me? This man said, I don't know what to do. I need your help. Well, the problem is, Jesus said, is unbelief. Well, help my unbelief. And notice, Jesus didn't upbraid him on either account. He helped him. The Holy Spirit is not the spirit of condemnation and guilt. He reproves the world of things that they do wrong. He helps you correct things that you do wrong. He helps you correct your your failings. He helps you correct your mistakes. He will give you the answer. Amen. Glory to God. He will always help me. Now, in Matthew 15... This is when Jesus was there in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And the woman had come to him and told him that her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. And of course, verse 24, he said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, how did she worship him? Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Help me. So again, we have a lady, there's no no way to fix this. There's no human agency that can fix this. But she comes to Jesus and says, Lord, help me. Well, the Bible says, we read it in the book of John, Jesus said, the comforter, the helper has been with you and he shall be in you. This woman, unbeknownst to her, was accessing her helper. And the way the man Jesus responded to this woman is the way the Holy Spirit will respond to you. No part of the Godhead operates independent of the other. They are a mirror of each other. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He called the works He did the works of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the voice of the Father. When the Holy Spirit hovered over the, the, the earth, when it was without form and void, He brought to pass the words of the Father. When the Father said, let there be light, the creative arm of the Godhead went into operation and light was. Amen. Do, do you see that? And so when Jesus, when the woman came and said, help me, and you know Jesus did, notice it says... Verse 28, Jesus said, Woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Did he help her? Did he help her? He healed the girl, didn't he? When you come to the Holy Spirit and you say, I don't know what to do, help me. You'll get an answer. Why? He's your helper. That's what he is commissioned, designed to do. He is your personal helper. Personal helper. Glory to God. So, we're never alone or without help. Never alone 
or without help. When I don't know what to do, when I don't have an answer, everything the Holy Spirit is, is designed to be a help to me. And Scripture says what? The Amplified Bible says He's my counselor, my helper, my intercessor, my advocate, my strengthener, and my standby. So everything that the Holy Spirit is, is designed to help me in some fashion. And, and the more intimate knowledge I have of him, the more of a help he can be. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. He's not an it. He's not a chill bump or a goose pimple. But people say this all the time. Ooh, I felt the Holy Spirit tonight. What, like his leg or his arm or... Which part of him did you feel? Oh, I felt the Holy Spirit come in the room. Holy Spirit came in the room when I showed up. And when you showed up. The temple of God came in this room this morning when you showed up. But yet because of our Pentecostal charismatic traditions... Somebody gets a good feeling, and they'll say, whoo, I felt the Holy Ghost. They don't feel that feeling any other time during the week or the month. Some of them, not years. But they want to act like they know the Holy Spirit. If you got to feel the Holy Spirit to feel like you know Him, you are very immature in your spiritual walk. He's my helper and He's always there. Are you following me? Amen. I've counseled marriages before. They say, well, I just don't feel like I'm in love with her. And I always say, what's that got to do with it, slick? <laughs> Love's not a feeling. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. As a believer, you walk in it by faith. Yes. Right? And what happens? As you walk in it by faith, the Holy Spirit comes help you do it. It's a fruit of the what? The reborn human spirit. And the Holy Spirit will help you do whatever you need to do. I can love you with the Holy Spirit's help. I can forgive with the Holy Spirit's help. I can walk out my life with the help of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that I will encounter that I can't have an answer for or overcome because I've got the helper on the inside of me. Amen. Amen. So when I don't have an answer, everything the Holy Spirit is, is designed to help me. Everything. Look at John 16. John chapter 16. Oh, glory. John 16 and verse 7. We read this earlier, but notice this. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus on the earth, physically, bodily, says it is going to be to your advantage if I go away. 
That, that's what the Woos Bible says. I'm telling you the truth. It is advantageous for you that I go away. How? Jesus, how is it advantageous for us if you go away? For if I don't go away, the comforter will not come to you. The helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the guide, one called alongside to help you. Notice, he won't come. Why? I got to send him. Do you see this? If I don't go away, you won't have the help you need. I've heard people say, oh, if Jesus were just right here with us. One just like him is here. I remember one time we were playing a game. Uh, I had a relative over at the house, and, and we were playing a game. We had the youth group over at our house, and we were all playing this game on a Sunday afternoon. And, and part of the game was a question. One of them was, you know, name somebody from history uh, that you would love to sit down and have an hour conversation with. And there was a young lady uh, that was one of the, the leaders of the youth group, and, and, and she made this statement. And, and I mean, she meant well, and I understood what she meant, but she was wrong in her thinking. And she said, uh, very, 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 very pious, oh, Jesus. Well, I mean... I can talk to Jesus any day. Do you know if you could sit Jesus down in this chair and see his physical attributes, that his answer to any of your questions would not be any different than they are without you seeing him? (laughs) But what was even worse was the relative that was heading up the game. He goes like this, he goes, no, no. I mean somebody who's alive today. He didn't know Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible's very plain in how it tells us to approach the Godhead. It tells us that if we are in need of something, that we approach the Father in the name of Jesus. And the Father does for us what we ask in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us discern and know the will of God. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We don't pray to the Holy Spirit. We don't pray to Jesus. It's to the Father in the name. Amen. Because the name is the authority. The name is the right. Do you see this? Hallelujah. So, he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. So if I don't go away, you won't have the help you need. Without the Holy Spirit, without His leading, His guiding and directing, we would have no help. None. And when someone says, I feel so helpless, they're not engaging the helper. That's the the place that confession plays in what you believe. If you have the guide, the helper on the inside of you, why would you ever say, I feel so helpless? What would make you feel like you have help? Now see, we're back to feeling. It may be elementary. 
When someone lays hands on you, if you feel a surge of electricity flow through your body and it knocks you out, and we've all had those moments, were you touched any stronger by the power of God than you were the other day when nothing happened? No. It's, it's your faith. If your faith is stronger because you felt a surge of electricity, then it is based on what you feel and not on what the Word said. The Word says you have the helper all the time. And it's advantageous, he said, that I go away. So when someone says, I feel helpless, I feel like I don't have an answer, what they're doing is bypassing the helper and going over here to feeling. Feeling is all in your flesh. Feeling is all in your emotional realm. has nothing to do with your spirit. Do you have the helper all the time? Every day, every week, every month, all the time, then you're never helpless. Yeah, but I just feel so helpless. Feeling is the problem. I say feeling is the problem. You're not helpless. Jesus said, I will not leave you helpless. Right? Notice Romans 8. Romans 8. Let's run over there. Romans 8, and uh, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. But we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So notice... The Spirit helps our infirmities. That word infirmities, it means want of strength and capacity, capacity necessary to understand a thing. Want of spirit or strength and capacity necessary to understand a thing. So the King James says infirmities. The word is weaknesses. That means a want of strength and capacity necessary to understand a thing. And the, the specific infirmity or weakness that he's dealing with here is what to pray or how to pray. There's times I don't know what to pray. And there's times I don't know how to pray. I know what to pray, I just don't know how. And notice what it says. The Spirit helps. The Spirit helps. I had a lady get so mad at me when I first started pastoring this church because I said I don't have unanswered prayers. She got mad and left the church. Well, he said, he don't, who does he think he is? He don't have unanswered prayers. Do you? If you do, you're praying wrong. Because Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'll do it. Let me go over here where they believe me. He said, he said whatever you ask in my name, the Father will do it. 
That's just like when I tell people, I can't get sick. Well, who do you think you are? It's not about who I am. The greater one lives in me. The spirit life of 1 Peter 2.24 is flowing through my body. It's driving right now sickness, disease, germs, and viruses out of my body, off my body, away from my person. Yes or no? Amen. So, you don't say tough things or difficult things. I was teaching on prayer and said, you've got to get to the point where you don't have unanswered prayers. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. That's a country song. (laughs) Not Bible. Now, I know what's happening right now. You're going through the Rolodex of your mind of things you've asked God for and you haven't gotten them. Well, I prayed about that and it didn't happen. Well, why? Why didn't it happen? Does does a person's lack of receiving, hear me, invalidate what Jesus said? Or does it invalidate what 1 John said? If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know if He hears us, we have the petitions we've desired of Him. Would that same person that said they prayed and they haven't got an answer, would they be quick to say, it wasn't God's will what I was praying about? Probably not. How can you have unanswered prayers when you got a helper that will tell you what to pray when you don't know what to pray and tell you how to pray when you don't know how to pray? Now notice again, he's a helper. He's not praying for me. He's not doing it for me. He's helping me. Am I helping you? I know I am because I got the Holy Ghost. Hmm. So when we don't know what to pray or how to pray, what do we do? Engage the helper. Holy Spirit, I don't know how to pray about this, so I'm just going to pray in tongues. Right? Or Holy Spirit, I don't know what to pray. I'm going to pray in tongues till you tell me what to pray, and then I'll pray that way. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? I've run into that with parents and their their prayer for their children is, Oh, God, save them. Oh, God, save them. Oh, God, save them. You have a promise that your children will be saved. That's a scriptural promise. The way you need to pray is, Father, set events in motion where that laborer that's been sent into the harvest will meet them and engage them and share the gospel with them. Engage the helper. One of the greatest disrespects that can be paid to the Holy Spirit is not to engage Him as our helper when we're in need of help. That's disrespectful to the Holy Spirit. It's disrespectful to the Holy Spirit to act like you're a self-made man. Hallelujah. There, there was a, a cooking show one time, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what it was all about, but uh, uh, the, the panel was expert chefs of renown. And these other cooks were, of course, you know, competing in, in a contest. 
And uh, if they won a round in that contest, one of the perks was that they got, I believe it was 10 or 15 minutes, I don't remember just exactly which one, maybe, maybe 10 or 15, however it was, uh, 15 minutes of this chef's, this world-renowned chef's attention on what they were doing, advice, as going into the next round, what they needed to do, the steps they needed to take. I mean, it, it was up to including recipes, I mean, ideas. So this lady won around. They said, all right, you got 10, 15 minutes, however long, with this world-renowned chef. And the chef shows up and goes, okay, what can I do to help you? And the lady goes, uh, you can chop the fruit. You have a world-renowned helper that has satisfied more people with their cooking than you've ever seen, and you got them cutting fruit. You know what the chef said? She said, okay, if that's what you want. She had that world-renowned chef chopping fruit for 10 minutes. Do you need to know she probably didn't win? Now, we would all like to think, boy, if I had access to that, I would engage the helper. Unless you think you can do it on your own. When you talk to somebody and they're consistently making the same mistakes and the same mistakes and the same mistakes and you're trying to help them, understand something. The Holy Spirit in you can only help them as far as they will engage the helper. Amen. There are times that the Holy Spirit won't let you say what you need to say because they won't engage the helper. Amen. Amen. And you'll run into people and they'll say this all the time, well, I'm, you know, I, and, 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 and they, 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 they pretty much answer the question before they, they ever get to the problem. Let me help you this morning. Wherever you go, you're there. And if the same problem follows a person over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, there's a common denominator there. You, me, amen. amen. I've, I've, I've dealt with people before that had divorce after divorce after divorce in their life, and they couldn't figure out the problem. Here's, you're in every one of those marriages. I mean, you know, if you've been through a divorce, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. I mean, it, it happens, but here's, here's the point that I'm, I'm saying. If you're dealing with somebody and they're always saying, I don't understand the problem, I don't understand the problem. Men are bad, men are evil, men are all, uh, it's men, it's all men, it's all men. Yeah, but you had six different men and you were married to all of them. And right on the other hand, I'm done with women. Women are just, spend all your money. You didn't have any money for them to spend in the first place. But what little bit you had, it didn't take but about a month to spend it. Glory. Amen. Rusty married Amy and finally got some money. And, and so amen. she's holding on to him. 
Now I'm joking, but you, you understand what I mean? There's a common denominator there. And you can't help that person until they're willing to engage the helper. And so here is this lady. She has an opportunity to win all this money, to win all this prestige, and she's got the helper chopping fruit. What a lot of people do with the Holy Spirit is they put Him on the shelf until they don't know what to do, and then they want to go grab and engage the helper. The key to any relationship is daily conversation, daily interaction, daily fellowship with the person you're wanting to have a relationship with. Amen. Hallelujah. Now notice verse 28 of Romans 8. It says, and we know, and we could say it this way, that after engaging the helper, we know that all things work together for our good. For good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. And that's an infamous scripture. Something bad will happen to somebody and they'll go, well, brother, you know all things work together for our good. But there's not a scripture one in there about a broke leg. Or destruction or, or something bad happening. It's talking about when you don't know what to pray or you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will help you pray. And when the Holy Spirit helps you pray, all things will work together for your good. Right? So notice, the result of engaging the helper is what? All things work together for my good. How many things? And they work together for my good. Hallelujah. Because you're engaging the helper. You're engaging the helper. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Don't be concerned about what other people think about your spirituality. The Holy Spirit is your friend. The Holy Spirit is your guide. He's your he wants the, the phrases that are used and the words that are used to describe him show us his desire to be engaged. Comforter, guide, one called alongside to help, aid, intercessor, advocate. Right? You know, a lawyer, which is an advocate cannot represent you adequately if he doesn't know anything about you. Right? Does that make sense? Cannot. He's got to know the case. He's got to know what's going on if he wants to be a proper advocate. Amen. Amen. I've, I've worked with people over the years that would get a... Uh, uh, a uh, attorney from the county or from the government. And they'd try to meet with that attorney five minutes before they went to court and try to figure out what to do. You know what usually the response was? Uh, we'll ask for a continuance. Why? Because the lawyer would say, I don't have enough to go in there and adequately argue a case for you. And you know what people always do? Well, 
I'm blaming it on the attorney. You know, all I got's a public attorney. I can't afford a good one. Could be I've not engaged him. Am I helping y'all? Amen. And I've watched people over the years, that attorney would have to call and try to get in touch with them. And, and you'd go to their house and, and mama, you know, or whoever would say, hey, your attorney's been calling you. Oh, I'll get back with them. And never would get back with them. And then they'd say, pastor, can you go to court with me? And I'd say, well, have you talked to your attorney? Well, I haven't been able to reach him. That's a lie. Amen. When you're engaging your helper, he will have intimate knowledge of what you need to do Amen. and what you need to say and how you need to do it. And he'll bring you out on the other side and all things will work together for your good. Amen. I said all things will work together for your good. Amen. Amen. But we're not comfortless. We're not orphans. The Holy Spirit lives in us and will be with us forever. Amen. Amen? You know, being accurate in the decisions you make is so important. And, and let me say this, too. On, on the other side of that, I'll, let me say this first. The person that's stagnant and not moving forward, they're not engaging the helper. The, the Holy Spirit is a life giver. And, and when you're engaging the Holy Spirit, He's moving you forward. He's giving you insights and concepts and ideas and direction. He'll give you business ideas. He'll give you ministry ideas. He'll give you family ideas. Right? I've, I've told you over and over again, the Holy Spirit knows what house belongs to you. And when you pull up in front of a house, you need to ask the helper, is this mine? And when the helper says yes, then go get it. Because when the helper says it's yours, it's not a risk. But you've got to engage him. If you get satisfied with what you have and the way you have it, the Holy Spirit will not make you have more. He won't. He'll help you as far as he can. But when you say, I'm going to do this, I'm just going to throw the sails wide open and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want for my life, you start telling me and you start showing me and you start directing me and I'll go after it. Hallelujah. You're not the producer of it. You're not the creator of it. You just walk into it. Amen. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit has this amazing ability that when you decide, I'm going after what God wants me to go after, He will set things in motion so that you can achieve it. Amen. Because He's the helper. I say He's the helper. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You know, there's a lot... Sometimes in the world that, you know, sometimes Christians make fun of, and you know, 
they, they, they laugh at people they say that are self-help people and, and positive thinking and, and these different things. Well, that's all in the Bible. But, but here's something that I've learned. One of the greatest helps that I've ever found personally was this, this, this and, I'm, and, and I'm not preaching on this, I'm just saying, that uh, setting goals. If I can, there's something in the human spirit and within you that when you begin to set goals, you start to figure out ways to go make them happen. Amen. The Bible calls it vision. And so without a vision, the people perish. And what did it say about the vision in Habakkuk 2? It said you got to write it. And you got to make it plain. When you start putting goals down on paper, the Holy Spirit will help you figure out a way to bring them to pass. Yeah, but what if it's not his will? Are you a sinner? No, you're not a sinner. The Bible says it's God's will to give you the desires of your heart. But if I never spend any time engaging the, the helper and engaging his wisdom and engaging his ability, then this year is going to be like last year and next year will be like this year and the year after, it'll just be the same thing. It'll be the same year, the same, same day, different year. I want to encourage you and challenge you. Things in your life can be better next month than they are now if I'll engage the helper. Amen. But like anything, it requires effort. It requires persistence. It requires doing something that everybody, I understood a long time ago that I can know the Holy Spirit as well as I want to. Amen. And I'm not going to limit myself and my knowledge of Him just because somebody else doesn't want to know Him that much. Hallelujah. And that's why you go and you go to churches and you go to pastors and you go to ministries. And it seems like the thing hadn't changed. It hasn't grown. There's no anointing. There's no fresh move of God. And that's because somebody's not engaging the helper on a consistent basis. Amen. Amen. But that's not said of us. We're spirit-led people. We engage the helper regularly. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll stand up, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I believe God. I believe God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The uh, beginning of your best life is today. Amen. Well, Pastor, what if I missed it? What if I failed? What? Well, repent. That's always the answer. Amen. Well, I, ju- I just don't feel like I can, I can do it. I, I just, well, well, there's no answer and no power in talking about what you don't feel like you can do. Everything we do as believers is a faith wall. Amen. So, Father, I pray for your people today. I pray for your sheep, these that you've called to this house. And, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would just give them answers. Lord, prompt them to engage the helper. Prompt them to engage the one that has the answers. For in the doing, we realize that we'll see the victory. In the name of Jesus, amen.